Thank you for joining us for this podcast of Northwest Presbyterian Church in Dublin, Ohio. Our church exists to celebrate the gospel through Christ-centered study, worship, and prayer, to connect in community through fellowship, accountability, shepherding, and outreach, and to love our city through sacrificial giving of time, treasure, and talents so that it might flourish as a place where Jesus is known. For service times and more information about our church, visit npcdublin.org. There are three simple questions that we ask ourselves often to help us with situations of life. They're not profound, they're simple, you use them often. Uh, These three questions are, where am I now? Where do I want to be? And then after I determine those two things, how do I get there, right? So whether it's financial planning, career planning, or... I'd like to eat lunch at BB Bop after church. What's the fastest way there? You're always using these three questions, right? Uh, but there's an extra question that we add to those that you have to ask the first three before you can ask the, the last one. But the last one is after I've determined where I want to be and a path to get there, then I can start looking at what are the obstacles between here and there. I got, I got, I must determine a path to get where I want to go. But after I determine that path, I can start thinking about what are the obstacles like? Construction right around the corner on the way to BB Bop. I can't, can, is there a better way to go around in that? Or financial planning. I want to do this, but there are always going to be life contingencies, right? So you look at what are the obstacles that could come in play. We're going to look at that this morning. We're looking at that in our faith. Uh, what are obstacles to faith in Christ? And oftentimes maybe we know, I, I kind of know where I am in my relationship with God. And I, I know a little bit where I want to be. Uh, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we won't take the time to even reflect on that to determine where am I and where do I want to be. Uh, but if you do, taking the extra time to say, what are the obstacles to me really having faith in Christ is really helpful. People oftentimes mention that there are these three main obstacles to faith in Christ, and we can find all three of those in one story in the Bible. We're going to look at story. It's not a story that Jesus told. It's a real encounter that the historical man Jesus had with another man, Nicodemus, and it's captured for us in, the, in the John 3. So we're going to look at that, but through it, we're going to identify these three obstacles to faith and see how that could help us. Now, for you sitting and listening, uh, here's one of three places you could be. You could be one of the people who says, I kind of believe this stuff, I'm interested in this stuff, but I know that I have not come to a point yet of really placing my faith in Christ. So this is good for you. What are the obstacles? Or you could be someone that says, I have placed my faith in Christ, but I'm still struggling in my faith. There's things that have come up that are causing me to struggle. Well, what are some of those difficulties, those obstacles to you growing in your faith? Or maybe you're trying to talk to a friend about Christ and they have not yet put their faith in Christ. This helps you identify what are the obstacles. You you want them to understand and trust, but they just haven't yet. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
So the first obstacle that we see here are, is the, the intellectual obstacle. Intellectual obstacle. Nicodemus comes with questions, right? There's intellectual things he wants to know. So this can be, I'm new to Christianity and I really don't even know. I don't know much about Jesus. I don't know much about the Bible. I don't know how these things fit together. I have intellectual questions. It can also be, okay, I know a little bit or you know, maybe a lot of bit about the Bible and I know a lot about other things. And sometimes these two worlds don't sync. So I have questions. How does this fit with this? If I've heard this and I've heard this, how do these things fit together? Nicodemus is a perfect example of a person like this. He had questions and he went somewhere with his questions. He comes to Jesus to ask his questions. He makes time to come to Jesus and ask his questions. And he comes with respect and dignity. There's a few things you can see from the very beginning with him coming. It says this, uh, we know that you are a teacher come from God. That's what Nicodemus says when he approaches Jesus. And this is noteworthy because if you read through the gospel, there are a lot of encounters that people have with Jesus, and a lot of them don't begin this respectful. Uh, there are other people who know something's going on with Jesus, but they are, come with their questions to try to stump him. They accuse him of different motives. They come trying to attack him, right? But Nicodemus is not that guy. He comes with sincere questions, right? He's coming, I have these questions. I don't understand what's going on, so I should make time to actually go talk to the one who's talking about this. Instead of just thinking about it in my own or talking with my friends, I'm going to go to the source and try to sort out these questions with him. Another thing to note from the beginning, not only does, does he say that we know you're a teacher come from God, but he says, we know. So from that, we know that Nicodemus represents more than just himself. He's not the only one that knows that he's a t Jesus is a teacher come from God. When he's not with Jesus and he's with these other people where there, it's others like him that know there's something special going on, but just have some questions. Or maybe it's when, Jesus, when Nicodemus is with some of the other Pharisees and religious leaders who accuse Jesus or try to stump up Jesus with different questions or uh, uh, imply that he has different motives. Maybe it's those people. Nicodemus is saying, look, Jesus, when we're not with you and we're talking about you, one thing we know is true, you're special. There's something divine about you. We disagree on why you're special, whether it's this reason or that reason, but we all know that there's something special here. And the truth is the same today. Uh, the world generally recognizes the same thing. There's many people who don't put their faith in Christ, but they still, when they step back, say there's something special about him. We just have different reasons on why we think he's special. So Nicodemus is a part of a crowd like many of you are part of. We know that you're special, but we have questions. But Nicodemus, instead of just talking to those people who know one thing and don't know the next, and just getting stuck there, Nicodemus is willing to make the time to go ask the question. So I have to ask you this morning, where do you go with your questions? To whom do you go with your questions? Do you go to anyone with your questions? If not, are you willing to take some steps to ask questions? If you have questions about faith in Christ, many, uh, all of you have some type of question. Where do you go with these questions? When I have uh, health questions, I'm quick to ask my people in the medical profession because they know answers, right? When I have projects around my house that I don't know how to do, which is basically anytime something goes wrong, wrong around my house, I know people who know how to do things and I ask them questions. I ask questions about everything. Just last month, I was thinking about maybe this summer I'll take a vacation in Michigan. And I asked, who do I know that likes a vacation in Michigan? And then I sent questions. Hey, give me some tips about what I should do in Michigan. But here's a little behind the veil secret. 
I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years helping people understand the Bible, and it's rare to have people come and ask their real questions to you. Pastor Dave and Pastor Chris will tell you the same thing. It's their profession to help people, and rarely do people really ask their real questions to people who can help them. But you don't have to ask the professionals. There are plenty of people in this church who can help you. There are some really bright people in this community and people who are really deep in faith and, and deep and committed to their faith that could be a source of help for you if you would just take the steps to say, hey, let's talk. Can I ask you my questions? So when Nicodemus comes with his sincere questions, how does Jesus respond? He's fine with that. He's not, he's not bothered that Nicodemus has questions. He says, let's talk. I'll answer your questions. But notice what Jesus says straight up when Nicodemus starts asking questions. The first thing he says to him is this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus asks more reasonable questions like, wait, born again, I can't enter a second time into my mother's womb, right? Sometimes we think, oh, people in that time were less sophisticated and they didn't understand science. He knew how babies work, right? How babies come out. He's like, I can't do that. This is a reasonable question. He's not trying to stump Jesus. He's really asking a sincere question. But Jesus tells him, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus says this, he's basically, he's saying more, but he's basically telling Nicodemus, your intellect can't take you to heaven. Nicodemus, we can sit and talk. I'm happy to talk to you. I'll answer your questions. We can discuss your intellectual challenges. But even if you know everything and I answer everything, if you have all the insight and wisdom and knowledge of the world, your knowledge and intellect cannot take you to heaven. More has to happen, which we'll look at the next barrier. And if you look closely at the, the passage, you notice this. It says that Nicodemus came by night. He came by night. Why is this guy coming to Jesus at night? Jesus was often teaching in synagogues and in the public, in the square, and with people, right? He's not hiding. But Nicodemus comes at night. He comes at night because he's either embarrassed or afraid to be seen. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't want people to know that he has these questions, that he's going to actually identify with Jesus, which takes us to our second barrier or obstacle. We have these social obstacles. <laughs> Intellectual ones seem like uh, we can be proud of those because we're the bright people to understand things. And then the social ones, though, we don't really want to admit, but they're there. Uh, we're like Nicodemus in, in, in having these questions. Like, I have these serious questions or this curiosity, but what if people saw me talking about this more? You know, no one at my work or in my family or in my social group really believes this stuff. And so if people see me spending time with those who do, what will they think? That makes me uncomfortable to think that for people to see me like that. Um, that often happens, or the same thing, flip from a different direction. When you think of Christians, you think Christians are kind of like this. And if, okay, I have the serious, sincere curiosity and interest, but if taking steps to grow in that means I have to be identified with these people, I think I'll just step back a little bit. This happens all the time. Um, there's so many examples we could look at. Here's three general categories you could put it in. Oftentimes, one of the barriers is we think Christians are just naive. You know, they're, the, they're less educated. Uh, they're maybe clueless. They're detached from the world. Like, I know the way the world works. I know the way science works. I know the way history works. And it seems like Christians are over here. Uh, they're just less bright or something. And maybe there's something that you've seen on TV or even encounter people that feel like, that's what Christians are, and they just don't seem like they have some of their thoughts put together. Well, guess what? There are plenty of Christians who are naive, 
And there are plenty of Christians who aren't very educated. But being naive and less educated isn't a prerequisite to becoming a Christian. And surprise, there are actually more non-Christians who are naive and less educated just because there's more non-Christian people in the world. It's just part of life. It's not a, a part of being a Christian. Another group we think about, though, Christians are judgmental. When we think about those Christian people, it's the ones who are critical or they're always upset about something. Uh, they seem to have these negative views of other religions or other nationalities or sometimes minorities and women or maybe rigid views on sexuality, and they're always telling people about them. Aha, you're right. There are plenty of Christians who are judgmental and critical, but being judgmental and critical isn't a prerequisite to becoming a Christian. And, surprise, there are even more non-Christians who are judgmental and critical. Third group, Christians are just strange. They just seem weird, right? You, some of you probably think I'm weird. Uh, when, when your idea of Christians, you think Christians are those people, you know, and they might be nice. Uh, there's plenty of things in, in, in TV and, and things that we see in, that uh, Christians are the nice people, but they're just the weird people. And again, you think, okay, I have this sincere interest, but does that mean I have to be identified with those people? Well, surprise, again, plenty of Christians are strange. But being strange is not a prerequisite to becoming a Christian. <laughs> and there are even more non-Christians who are strange. People are just strange, right? And that's just how life goes. So we see these things. These are real barriers. You can joke about them, but they often hold us back. I think of there's a, a time when there was a guy I was helping uh, take steps in his faith, and he had come to a point where he th really wanted to grow and learn more. So I took him to a Christian bookstore when those still existed. And we go to the Christian bookstore, and right when we walk in, there's a life-size cardboard cutout of a person in a superhero costume, and he has some kind of uh, motion-activated thing that when you walk by, it says, I'm Bible Man. Uh, and my friend, who's not from much of a Christian background at all, stops, and then he surveys the store, and it's filled with Thomas Kincaid paintings and American flags with hand uh, praying hands and WWJD bracelets and a thousand other trinkets. And you could just see him thinking, where am I? And what am I stepping into? And see what was going on. This guy had come to a point, he had real interest and he wanted to get a Bible so he could read the Bible and know God. But to get to the Bible at the back, he had to walk through subculture, Christian subculture to get the Bible. And that can be very disorienting. It's very difficult to see through what's subculture and what's Christian. And because there's so many different, NPC has a subculture. Every church you've ever looked at has a subculture. And when you're interested in faith, sometimes you see the subculture and think, is this what faith is? It's just subculture. There's something behind it. Don't let the obstacle stop you. Look at what Jesus says to, to Nicodemus on this point. He tells him, uh, yeah, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born in the spirit. He's saying people from every social group will get to heaven. So Nicodemus, no one saw you come here. No one knew you were coming here, but the impression that's made on you from this encounter is going to make an effect and people are going to see the effect of it. And the Holy Spirit's similar. Nicodemus, you may think no one like me believes, and yet here I am starting to believe. You could look and say the people who do believe are like that, or people like that would never believe. Well, the Holy Spirit could 
transform someone's life in this group, and tomorrow might transform someone's life in this group. We're always thinking this group or that group, my group or their group, but the Holy Spirit just comes into lives from group to group to group to group and changes. You can't see it coming. You can't identify what kind of group is actually going to trust in Christ because the Holy Spirit just moves in different types of people at different times. You could be here right now thinking, I'm just coming because my friend wanted me to come to church. I'm just here at this religious gathering paying my dues, and the Holy Spirit could be giving you faith right now. No one sees it but you because it's going on right inside of here. But there's another group. There's another thing here. There's another obstacle, maybe even the bigger one. There are also personal obstacles. There are personal obstacles. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's saying, look, Nicodemus, you're supposed to be a teacher, right? But you can't even understand the earthly things we're talking about. How can I explain to you the heavenly if you can't understand the earthly things? See this difference right here? And here's what's going on. There, there's actually more going on. Uh, we have objections and apprehensions and concerns about faith. And some of those things, some of those concerns, apprehensions are really rooted in things from our experiences, things that have happened to us in life, things that have left their scars, hard things in life. We may talk about and focus on the social or the intellectual obstacles, but typically the things that are driving the obstacles are the personal obstacles. There's been some kind of uh, pain in your life, maybe trauma, things from your family, your health, ways people have treated you, just things you've gone through. They leave deep scars. They leave deep wounds. And again, we, we, we talk about, I don't know if I can believe because of this question or these people, but oftentimes the questions we're really asking, why or how did God let this happen? If God did let this happen, what does this tell me about God? And now it's hard for me to trust him. It's these personal things that are going on, right? They're deep. Uh, and, and when those things that happen, whatever the situation is for, for you, they leave you more fearful or distrusting of all kinds of people, definitely more fearful and distrusting of God because of those things. And But coming to church, meeting out with a friend, like we mentioned earlier, to talk about the Bible and ask questions, is definitely a good place to take steps to start to work through your social and intellectual obstacles. But an encounter like this can't just erase the personal things in your life, the personal obstacles. It doesn't just erase that. It doesn't, there's no way a meeting with a friend can give you an answer to all the personal things that have happened, right? Can explain all those things. But, but when you're comfortable, if you're willing to talk to a Christian here in our church, one of us, we'd, we'd be happy to listen. We'd be happy to hear about why these things are hard. Uh, we, we won't trivialize, trivialize your pain. We won't tell you how you should or shouldn't feel through that. Uh, we, we'll grieve with you. We can offer some sort of support for you. Uh, we're not naive to the world and knowing that the world's broken and that there's real things that have hurt you. And we also are working through our wounds from our life. You're not the only one. So if you'll take that step to actually meet with people and share, 
You will find this, that there isn't an answer, like maybe the intellectual and social can give you some answers for some of your questions. We can't give you an answer for your personal, but if you will put yourself around a loving community of faith, you can find healing. You can find healing. We don't know what else is going on with Nicodemus, but Jesus does kind of come eventually to him and says, Jesus says this to Nicodemus, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Here's the bottom line. Why doesn't Nicodemus get it? Because Nicodemus needs to be born again. That's why Nicodemus doesn't get it. His intellectual, social, and personal obstacles are real, but they aren't the only thing going on, and they aren't really the ultimate thing going on. He needs to be born again. We are all born of the flesh, born naturally, in his and your social, intellectual, and personal obstacles are rooted in the flesh. You don't need to just work through these fleshly questions, earthly, natural questions. You need to be reborn. You need a supernatural birth. You need something else to happen in your life. Paul, in a letter to Corinthians, kind of explains it like this, 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of God, of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, unless you're born again, born of the Spirit, your perception and insight into spiritual matters is just blocked. Happy to talk to you. Many people are happy to talk to you. Jesus is happy to talk to Nicodemus. But the answering questions and being together isn't going to unlock everything. He needed to be spiritually reborn. Something else had to happen for Nicodemus and for us. Again, uh, Paul says some more here, kind of explaining it. Look at this next passage. Yes. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In the flesh, in the natural state, we are actually controlled by our intellectual, social, and personal obstacles. We are controlled by them. They aren't just things in our life. They're actually controlling us. But if you look to the Son and believe, if you look to the one who was lifted up for you, who was raised on a cross to die for sins and put your faith in him, and you actually see on the cross the Son of Man being lifted up for you, and you see his love, you start to know his love. And as you start to know his love, you start to be controlled by his love instead of the earthly issues. His love starts to control you, and it changes those things. What happens then? You see differently. You no longer regard people according to the flesh. That's what the passage says here. The social barriers aren't there. They start to fade away because you don't see people according to the flesh. Similarly, you stop seeing Jesus according to the flesh. He's not just a teacher to reason with. He's the author of life. He's not just some wise man that had some insight. He's God in the flesh. He is the source of life. And when you start seeing, instead of taking my obstacles and then trying to put them to Jesus, when I start seeing him as the author and essence and source of life, I see life through him. And then I start to look back at all those other things. This is becoming a new creation. This is being born again. This is when the Holy Spirit is giving life and light to your eyes. How does it happen? Jesus says it very easily, look to the one. Look to the one who's raised up, him. Jesus is the son of man. Only the son of man can ascend to heaven. 
the Son of Man descended first to live a perfect life, to take on sin, to die on a cross for sin, three days later to be raised again, and then eventually ascend back to heaven. He came so that all or any who would look to him can have faith. Whatever social group, whatever intellectual status, whatever personal issues, if you just look to him, he gives new life. It changes us. But with this encounter that Nicodemus has with Jesus, it doesn't end with Nicodemus saying, great, I'm in. There are passages for things like that happen in the scripture. Nicodemus doesn't end there. Nicodemus just leaves. We don't know what else is going on. We don't know what other obstacles he's still wrestling through, but he leaves without faith. But that's not the end of the story. We meet Nicodemus in John 3, but then in John, not Nicodemus, John 19, we see him again. After Jesus had died on the cross for sins, pick up the passage 19:38. After these things, Jesus dying, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. He was afraid to be seen in public with Jesus when Jesus was alive. But now at the most dangerous time, when his enemies had actually killed him, he's willing to be publicly represented with Jesus. When there's really no hope left in the message because the one who's teaching the message has died, Nicodemus is willing to be identified with Jesus. Most people would say that this is evidence. You don't know when the Holy Spirit's coming, but when the Holy Spirit has done something in someone's life, you can see its effect. Like Nicodemus, the one who's afraid, and Joseph, who was afraid to be public, now is public, publicly identifying with Jesus and they're serving him. That's how the Holy Spirit works. How was this happening? Nicodemus said at some point, look to him. Look to the one who is lifted up and believed. I'll close with a story that I think kind of pulls some of this together. It's a little bit of a dated story, but I think it still works. Back in 2010, I think, a friend of mine had tried to introduce me to some new music. Some new music that he was liking, and he told me, you should check this music out. It's actually uh, Mumford & Sons which just tells how life goes because they were unknown, popular, and then forgotten again already by the time I'm telling the story. (laughs) But at the time, he told me, you should check out this new music. So I trusted him, tried it out. It was so different than anything else I'd listened to, I wouldn't make it through one song. It's like, ah, turn this off. And I thought, maybe he's tricking me. I've been tricked before. Maybe he's like playing a trick on me about bad music. So I come back to him, he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, I really like it. So I tried again, no. Uh, there's even, I remember a time I tried to play it at home in my kitchen, and Tara, my wife's like, what are you listening to? Turn that off. Like, we, we did not like the music. Did not want to give it a try. But I realized it wasn't just him. There were a few of my friends who liked this. And I couldn't, they, they weren't tricking me together. They really did like it. I could tell it was giving them joy. They like, this is music that we're really enjoying listening to. So because I know them, and I know kind of their taste, and I could tell it's giving them joy, I thought, maybe I should keep checking it out. Maybe I'm just, there's something about me that I'm missing, you know? And I didn't really like it at first, but then there was this one day I had to get up early and drive out of town for work. So it's one of those days where you're driving the car, it's cold outside, the sun hasn't come up yet, and I I try it then. And in that little setting, it felt right. This is the right music for the reflective early morning drive. (laughs) I don't know if it fits in other places, but it fits here. So this is a win. 
So that made me listen to it a few more times. And then eventually I was listening to it and I actually heard the words. And there were words that cut straight to my heart. Things like, love that will not betray, dismay, or enslave you, but will set you free and make you more like the man you are meant to be. That seems like truth, you know? Or there's this other lyric where he says, uh, uh, I guess all my bridges have been burned, but that's exactly how this grace thing works. It's not the long walk home that heals this heart, but the welcome that I receive from every start. They're not Christian, right? But I hear that, this is good. Suddenly this music that I didn't even want to hear a song to, that maybe only fits a setting to, this, this music speaks to my life. It speaks to my heart. That is a picture of what it looks like for many people in their journey and an investigation of Christ. Uh, sometimes when you first start hearing the Christian message, you think, wow, how can anyone believe that? I don't even want to get through a sermon because these pe- this is just so different from my view of life. But by God's grace, sometimes he puts you around people that you look at and say, they seem to really believe it. It seems to really do something for them. Maybe I'll keep listening. Maybe you've heard it several times, like, ah, I, I trust you. I just don't know if it's for me, right? Uh, for me, that, 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 those words. But then sometimes you take that next step where it does fit certain settings. When I'm feeling afraid, when it seems like the world's falling apart, when I feel confused and I come to a church worship service, the message that there's hope or there's a God, then it really fits me. It, it fits these certain, or maybe just Christmas and Easter, it only fits those times. But it does fit sometimes. But if you'll keep coming and keep hearing, eventually, and that eventually could be two days, could be 10 years, the words actually hit you. And you realize, this doesn't just fit some settings. This is life. This is the only truth. This isn't a weird message. This is the message that explains everything. If you'll just keep coming around. So as we close, I don't know where you are, if your obstacles are, I don't know if I even believe. Can, if that's you, can you identify what obstacles are holding you back? And how can you take steps in that? But also, can you look past the obstacles to the one who is lifted up? Look to Jesus and ask, give me life. If you're trying, you're in your faith, but you feel like you're struggling, you should take some time and identify. Which of those barriers are hurting me right now? How can I take steps to those? And you need to lift up your attention and look your, focus your eyes on the one who is lifted up for you and let life be renewed inside by the Holy Spirit. And if you're trying to help your friends trust in Christ, help them identify, ask them, which one of these obstacles do you think are yours? Because you have some of these. And then help them, meet with them, but point them to the one who is lifted up who can give new life. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon podcast. Subscribe to our podcast And for more information about our church, our values, mission, and ministries, visit npcdublin.org.